I would get turned on and I would end up masturbating. Like, Mm. because it felt better and was more pleasurable than having sex. And I didn't know how to connect with my husband on that level. Mm -hmm. Um, I just didn't know how to do that. And, like, I would be really turned on and I wouldn't know how to be like, hey, let's have sex. Hey guys, welcome to Dear Men. Today we're talking about pain and pleasure and pleasure in pain. Those two seem to be separate a lot of the time, but in fact they are quite related both in the brain and in real life. And today the focus that we're taking with that topic is what it's like to go from having pain during sex to having pleasure during sex. The, uh, the issue of painful sex is a huge one in this country and all over the world, especially for women. Millions and millions of women have pain during sex. The clinical term for this is vaginismus. And for a lot of women, it can sometimes feel like knives in their vagina or some other kind of dramatic pain. Also in a lot of my surveys, women talk about pain during sex. And I don't want to focus so much on the pain in this episode. What I really want to talk about is the journey that Z, my friend Z, who you're going to meet in a second, the journey she took that brought her from having major pain during sex to having pleasurable sex. As you know, on this podcast, a lot of what we talk about is transformation. So going from one state to another state. And I think it's really inspirational. I've been inspired by her story. So I'm hoping you will be too. Um, Her name is Z. We've been friends for a long time. And Um, I'm going to introduce a little bit more about her later, but for the purposes of this episode, the most important thing to know is that uh, she was married for 12 years, and uh, her marriage ended last year, and um, she's going to sort of take us through the journey that she went on, a sexual journey that included her marriage, but also after her marriage, which I think is something that's relevant to a lot of people. So let's welcome Z Zocolante to the podcast. Hi guys, I'm Z. <laughs> Welcome, glad to have you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so we're just going to start with uh, something simple, which is, um, can you tell us a little bit about your sexual history, meaning what it was like for you to first have sex and whether you had pain during sex from the very beginning or not? That is a great question. So... I was raised very religious, so the upbringing model that I got, which a lot of us get, which was not actually told to me, but subconsciously, I had this mantra in my head that I didn't even realize I had that sex was dirty, bad, wrong. That was the three things that came up consistently, dirty, bad, wrong. So the first time I had sex was in college with a boyfriend that I was dating for about six months, and I was not ready to have sex, to be honest, and I was in love with him, what I thought was love. (laughs) And he initiated it, um, you know, went out, got condoms, all that, came back to the room. I didn't know that that's what he had actually planned. It was, of course, completely consensual. And I was very interested and very turned on and absolutely wanted to have sex with him. And at the same time, while it was happening, I actually disassociated from my body. 
I didn't realize this was the experience then until I learned words for it later. But I had this experience of completely disassociating. And I remember at one point him sort of pushing back a little bit from me and him being above me and him looking at me and this look of panic on his face. And I remember him saying, he kind of rolled to the side and I remember him saying, oh my God, you're going to hate me tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah. And I remember hearing this voice, no, I'm not. And then realizing three seconds later, because I literally remember thinking, who said that? And then I was like, oh, that was me. Mm. (laughs) And so my experience of it, to be honest, was it was amazing and felt really good. And then my mind had this war Mm. against the dirty, bad, wrong and the pleasure. And it kind of broke my brain and I disassociated. But before that disassociation happened, I remember it being incredibly pleasurable. And now, you know, I would look at it as, I wasn't allowed to feel that in any particular way. And so I didn't know what to do with that experience Mm. other than to just completely collapse and shut down. Mm. And what was sex like for you in the rest of that relationship? Did you keep sleeping with that boyfriend or no? (laughs) So I didn't get to rectify that. (laughs) Um, I left to go home for summer and we broke up after that because I was freaked out of my mind. I was super duper depressed after that. I didn't know what to do with that. I went to the church thinking I was a horrible person every time and, you know, praying for myself and da da da. So I never got to rehab sex with this person again. Um, But it stuck with me because it was really bothersome to me that it was incredibly pleasurable and I couldn't enjoy it. Mm. And so the next experience that I had, um, and I have very limited experience, but the next experience I had, I remember going it going into this relationship thinking, oh yeah, God, can I swear on your podcast? Yeah, okay. swearing is um, totally allowed okay, on this great. podcast. Um, <laughs> I remember thinking, okay, God, I'm being bad. Why don't you fucking punish me? So I remember actually going into that Interesting. sexual encounter, sort of like daring God to punish me for having sex. And I got a UTI. <laughs> Way because nobody ever told me that you had to pee, pee after, after sex. sex. You have to nobody pee after ever sex. told me that. Nobody ever told me yeah, that. I know. Something so, that should be taught in uh, sex education, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was also a tomboy, so opted out of all sexual education at my school. <laughs> when I was younger, I was like, I'm going to go play tetherball with the boys. Peace out, ladies. <laughs> I don't want to hear about my period. No, thank you. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> I digress. Um, I remember... Yeah, I had this relationship with God that was sort of adversarial, and I wanted God to punish me, sort of. I and don't did know you why. did you feel punished by the UTI that you got after that? I did. So this did. is boyfriend number two now, boyfriend right? Number two. Yeah. Boyfriend number two, and you did have sex, like intercourse, full sex. I did have intercourse. Okay, I think. And did it feel good? How, what was that like? Uh, it was not very good. Okay, because he was very small. Okay, and probably not very present. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and but it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. Okay. It didn't so hurt. time no, one, time two, hurt. no pain so far. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then we get into my husband. Yes. Um. So I met him. He's great and wonderful. And how old were you guys when you met? I was nineteen when I met him. Okay. Is that true? Yeah, I was nineteen when I met him, and <clears throat> we didn't sleep together for a little bit. And when we did, sex for me, I think, was always a power thing. Okay. So say more. Uh. So. Sex for me, how I was trained, um, I guess, unconsciously, was that 
men want you for your body. Okay. And so I always had, most of my friends were men, Mm -hmm. but I had very, very, very good boundaries with sex. I never made out with my friends. I I mean, that's very common now. With your guy friends. Yeah, with my guy friends. Never, never, ever. Um, Or with my women friends. Or with your women friends. (laughs) (laughs) But both friendships were just friendships. And so when I entered into a sexual relationship with my then husband, I remember thinking, oh my God, this is so taboo and wrong. And it made it more exciting and fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was great in the beginning. Um, He was, you know, it was interesting because you always notice how people have been with other people when they start having sex with you in different ways. And you're like, oh, that's fascinating. Wait, what do you mean? Like moves um, that they have or something? Well, yeah. Or like, for example, a lot of what I hear women talk about and that I've experienced is the doggy style where they're just like, pounding into you uh-huh. and you're just like hmm okay this is this <laughs> this okay <laughs> and there were certain things that obviously I wasn't very sexually experienced and he was more so than I was um and it was good in the beginning I remember it being pleasurable and I remember being really turned on because it was feeling desired to uh-huh. be honest it was really feeling desired it was feeling cared for and love like I knew that he cared for me mm-hmm. and I don't think he had said, I don't think we had said we loved you yet, but I definitely felt cared for. I felt committed to, like, I felt like it was somebody that wanted to be with me yeah. and was committed to being with me. Yeah. Um, that for me is important mm-hmm. in some arena to be able to do that with somebody. And it wasn't, I don't honestly remember when it started getting painful, mm-hmm. but very shortly along the way, it started being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I do. And were you guys married at this point? So I think right before we were married, it started being uncomfortable. Okay. And I think, okay, here's the thing. So we were getting married, and in order to get married at our church, we had to do this course. And I remember the first thing they said to us day one was, if you're having sex, stop. And in my head, I was like, don't fucking tell me what to do. <laughs> but I thought, okay, they, they, they probably have something. And it is true. When you stop having sex with somebody, you realize things that you never really saw in them before. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, when we talk about there's limerence, there's the two-year period of Mm -hmm. when you're having sex with someone new, your brain is on cocaine. Mm -hmm. Basically, the chemicals that are flooded through your brain. And so you're not actually seeing the totality of that human. Mm -hmm. And we did stop having sex, and I realized some very interesting things. Like when we would argue in the car... I would just stare directly out the passenger side window. Mm -hmm. And then I remember being in the car with my parents and I watched my mom do the same exact thing. And I was like, oh my God, no. (laughs) So you would kind of freeze, freeze him out. Um, A little bit. Yes. Yeah. And this probably continued as a pattern throughout our relationship is when I get really triggered, I tend to kind of disassociate from someone as a protection mechanism. Okay. Um, So... So the I, sex had started getting uncomfortable right before you got married, but so, then you were in this course and they said, stop having sex. So I okay. can't remember, to be honest, if the sex was uncomfortable before we started this, this course, mm-hmm. but then we stopped having sex for a while. Okay. And I remember we slipped up once and we went camping and had sex and it was really great, but it was also the taboo thing. Mm-hmm. And then we did stop until we got married. And for some reason, I don't know, I think that's when the pain started. Mm. Um, I do remember, which is terrible, like on my wedding night, I remember it like feeling like knives. Yeah. And it was really uncomfortable. And for the most part, you know, he was super loving, super kind, super like wonderful. He was sexy. Like there wasn't anything that was weird about our connection at that point. Um 
And I just remember being really kind of sad. Yeah. Because everyone talks about, you know, and I mean, we'd had sex before, so it wasn't like the, oh my God, the wedding night, blah, right, blah, blah. Right, but you'd been, you had stopped for a while, we too. We had stopped so for a while, there yeah. was a little bit of that, right? There was, okay. yeah. And the the sex was painful after that for some reason. So... Did you tell him, like, when it's your wedding night and you're having sex and it hurts, like, did you say anything or what, how does that work? <sighs> I don't think I did, to be honest, because okay. I think at that point there was a lot of shame and thinking that there was something wrong with me and like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. And I don't think I was, ex- I don't think I was expecting it to continue. I think, I think mm. I was thinking, oh, this is some weird da da da. Like it's probably going to get better. Yeah. Um, and then I realized that as we continued, I don't think it was painful every single time, but it was uncomfortable okay. most of the time. And can you tell me a little about what, what does uncomfortable mean? So I, I have not had this experience. Okay. Is it when, when you say it feels like knives, like, is it like a shooting pain that goes into your belly or like, what is it so like? So it wasn't into my belly. It would just be situated in the area mostly of, um, like the actual vaginal canal. Okay. So it would be like, there was pressure and it felt sharp. Okay. Pokey. Okay. You know, and obviously a penis is not sharp and pokey. Yeah. <laughs> not Guys, if your penis is sharp and pokey, we need to have a separate conversation. <laughs> Footnote. <laughs> um, so that should never be happening, obviously. And I remember it sometimes feeling pressure. I remember it feeling really raw. Okay. Like I remember thinking if I if I painted a picture of it, it would just be red and raw and almost itchy. Sort okay. of like when you have a rash or something, and it's just raw and uncomfortable and were you like also dry at these in these encounters so Do you no know? I okay, mean, you I, okay i wasn't like okay i i liked sex i was mm-hmm. just trained that it was weird and dirty bad and wrong so even when i would get turned on and i would be lubricated on my own or we would also start using extra lubrication because i remember at some point we had the conversation about you know maybe you're not lubricated enough and i think yeah. he suggested we like buy lube and blah 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 yeah he was very loving and kind like he was not an asshole and we tried it and I, it helped a little bit maybe, mm-hmm. but not really. So it was raw. It was uncomfortable. It felt like weird pressure that I didn't want in there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it felt sharp and pokey like knives. Okay. Um, it's kind of changed. Yeah. Okay. It, there was different sorts of pain and discomfort. Okay. But I don't believe that there were ever very many times that I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. Sex feels really good. Yeah, sex feels awesome, amazing. Like, even good. Like, it was mostly, it turned into something for me that sadly was something that I didn't really want because I dreaded it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Along with that, in a parallel world, Uh I also had an eating disorder. Okay. So there is a correlation between hating your body and not being accepted of your femininity during the course of this eating disorder. So I do know that contributed a lot. And it also contributed a lot to us being disconnected. You, like and, was, you and your yeah, husband? Yeah, okay. me and my husband. There were weird little shit that happened. Like, for example, um, I remember him pointing this out to me repeatedly. But he's like, I can't even touch you after we eat dinner. And it was true. Mm. Because after I ate dinner and I was full, I was like, stay the fuck away from me. Like, energetically, I was so triggered. Because I was trying not to throw up, even mm. though I repeatedly failed. But I felt... Literally, like, I wanted to claw your eyes out if you came close to me and touched me when Mm. I was full from eating a meal. So I wasn't, like, a normal, wonderful wife that we could go out and enjoy a really good dinner and be like, oh, my God, like, like, 
like what you call used to be when we traveled. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so full right now and be so happy about mm-hmm. it. I never understood that. Yeah. Because anytime I was full, I was just triggered. And in the beginning when I was dating him, my eating disorder kind of went undercover. And I think that's when I was more open. Mm-hmm. And then as our relationship progressed, it came back okay. at full force. And so not only was it disconnected, you know, physically in me and disconnected us physically because yeah like just cute things like now I would love for my partner to come up and like grab my ass while I'm cooking and I remember he would do stuff like that or just be kind and Mm -hmm. sweet and loving and cute and I would be I would be an asshole I would Mm. just like push his touch off or be like what are you doing I'm cooking like and I notice a lot of men now talk about this experience that they have with their women Mm. that the women now looking back on it of course I was doing the best that I could at that time but I wasn't appreciating the man for his masculinity. Mm. And so there was a lot of me, you know, I definitely played the starfish. You know, they talk about uh-huh. the joke in sex yep. where you're just the starfish. Yeah. And um, part of it was is I feel really badly for that. And there was a part of me that I honestly had a lot of resentment mm. at feeling like I had to like, I had to have sex with my partner. Yeah. And he wasn't forcing me to have sex, you know, like he wouldn't have sex with me a lot because he knew that it wasn't really what I wanted to do. But I do remember sometimes, which is sad for me, is I do remember a couple times, not a lot, but literally staring at the ceiling and tears rolling, like a tear, like a tear or two rolled down Mm. my face because it was really painful. And I remember I wiped it away so that he wouldn't see that because I'm just like, what am I, what's going to happen? If I can't have any sex with my partner, what's going to happen to our relationship? Yeah. And at the same time, like, we didn't have a good sexual relationship. And it was something that was a huge issue that actually contributed to ending our marriage 12 years later. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about initiation. So, um, no, okay. maybe not use his okay. name. Yeah. Um, we can call him something else. Okay. What do you want to call him? John. No, I don't know. <laughs> you said that john john we're gonna call him john him trevor okay <laughs> we're gonna stick let's stick with john, john, john okay john <laughs> so um so let's say that john came up to you like what I, i'm curious what initiation looks like if you're a man and you and your woman doesn't like sex like what like what would he do or say or mm. how did that work so in the beginning he was very masculine and loving like he was a great kisser like a great kisser he was gentle like I I know you talk a lot about men going down on you and not being gentle Mm -hmm. he was very gentle like he he would have gotten feedback and taken feedback he like really wanted to please me and I think that over the course of this um I'm super loving and kind and warm and yet when I am triggered or when I feel protective I can have this fiery little asshole side of me that like jabs out or completely disconnects and like goes numb there were so many times where we were in the middle of you know having sex and he would be like I don't want to continue this like it looks like you're not enjoying this and I was like no just finish you know or like because it was like and he was like I don't like I remember once he literally was like I don't want to like I'm walking like and he got up and walked away he's like I'm not this isn't this isn't fun for me like this isn't what I want And I know that over time being in our marriage, I conditioned him to not be the passionate person that we started off in our relationship. Mm -hmm. Like he was passionate. He wanted to be sensual. Like he wanted all of these things. And we were in the very beginning. And then I think it was around the time 
I didn't even recognize it then, to be honest, but I think it's when pain started entering into our relationship, I started just kind of like being like, "Mm, mm," like that sort of like stop energy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he would, I think sometimes he'd try to touch me or kiss me and I'd just like brush off his touch Mm -hmm. and kind of be bitchy about it. Mm -hmm. And of course, as a dude, you don't want to continue if a woman's like that, you know, like you want it to continue. And even when we did continue or he would do, you know, nice romantic things, um, I would always feel guilty because I didn't really want to be having sex. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, this is a thing I remember. Um, Because I thought in my brain at that time, every single touch would end with sex. Mm -hmm. I didn't really even initiate or allow him to like get too touchy-feely with me because it was like if that was going to progress it was going to eventually end to sex and it was going to either end us to up getting in a that's not English it was either going to end up with us getting in a fight Mm -hmm. or being really sad and really disappointed with him being super frustrated and upset and disconnected and then I was just going to feel so guilty and shameful and then usually to be honest when I felt guilty and shameful I'd go and binge and perch Mm, so it's all kind of connected. Yeah, it's all like this connected little clusterfuck. And so when you guys were going through this, were you having open conversations about like, hey, our sex life is, um, I was going to say a disaster, but <laughs> uh, really challenging. Like this is a big point of contention in our relationship. Maybe we should see a sex therapist or get some support or, or were you just both sort of trying to shine it on? Like what was that conversation like? I think that I was very closed to many conversations, to be honest, because I think that the interpretation was there's something wrong with you. Like I thought, like I thought that it was being said, you're broken. There's something wrong with you. So you should get some help for this so that we can have a good sex life. That is not really what he was saying. Although towards the end, he did say stuff about how I just think you're broken and blah, blah, blah. And I know that at a couple points I had said that, so he might have been mirroring that mm. back to me. But to also hear him say it was just like, well, fuck, like, is there any hope? Yeah. You know, like, if I already think that I'm broken and shamed about this and don't know what to do, and then you're also just being super frustrated and basically walking away at the very end of it. Because um, what would happen is he would try. He would ask me conversations. He would ask me what I liked. He would t- like, he wanted to engage mm-hmm. in this and he wanted to solve it. Mm-hmm. And I would just go blank. Like, I would just blank out. So I do remember him literally probably for five minutes, like, when we were in bed. And a lot of these conversations happened in bed. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the problem is they weren't happening outside of when we were actually trying to have sex. And so, like, I remember, you know, him being naked, me being naked. And he just stopped. And he was like, you know, what, what do you want? Like, what can I do? What... And it wasn't like a, you know, I hate you, you're broke. Like, it wasn't like that. And I just remember I just blanked out. And I would just stand for periods of silence. Hmm. Hoping that, I don't know, whatever the answer would, like, fall from the sky. Yeah. And I remember at that conversation, he finally just was like, <sighs> and he just, like, got up and walked away. Hmm. And, like, went to the bathroom to, like, dress again or something. And I remember, like, just lying on the bed and just being like, I I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do. And what also sucked about it is that all of my close friends had awesome sexual relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, one of my friends had tons and tons and tons of sex, and she always orgasmed all the time, multiple times, blah, blah, blah. So 
we would have conversations about this sometimes, but I did feel like the broken person mm-hmm. because nobody that I ever knew was like, oh my God, I'm having this experience too. Yeah. I was just like, I am weird and I'm all alone in this and nobody else experiences this. And I can't talk to my mom about it. You know, like my yeah. mom's mentality was, you know, sex is, I mean, obviously I think my mom likes sex, but there's also like sex is a duty you provide for your husband okay. sort of thing. Like it's part of your womanly duties. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's ever said that to me either, but <laughs> she might have, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to throw her under the bus there, <laughs> but there's just a different attitude about sex that I wanted it to be fun and enjoyable and sexy, and I felt none of those things. Yeah. And it was all also snaked in with my eating disorder. Right. And so this was a pretty serious issue in your marriage for, yep. I mean, we only ever years? fought. You only ever fought. We only ever fought about my eating disorder and my and our sex life. Can you? Literally. Can you walk me through, like, how... how how does that work? Like, is it, did you, did the two of you sort of come to an understanding that we just don't have sex? Like what, what was an everyday scenario? Like, was it like, basically what I'm asking is, was your position sort of like, okay, well I'll do it every two weeks to keep him satisfied? Like, was that kind of part of your... We would try to have these little things where we would make, like, these little love boxes about things we could do for each other. Um, You know, we tried on our own, but I think part of it is, like, he would initiate it. I would want to please him, and so I would agree to it, but then if he didn't follow through with it and keep up on it, I would let it slide. We're talking about the the romance boxes Um, or the sex? Just everything around it, because the romance boxes were partially for sex. It was, like, things we could do to, like, connect that would be romantic that would, like, eventually get us to have sex. Okay. And so... To be, to be honest, what it sounds a lot like to me as I'm saying this out loud is it sounds like when you tell a kid, you know, go and clean your room and then you check it every single day to make sure they cleaned it. And that's the only reason they clean it. And then once you stop checking to see if their room's clean, they just don't clean it anymore. Yeah. And that's kind of how it was with our sex life is that if he was on top of it, I would be really motivated at first. And then if he didn't follow through with it or whatnot, I wouldn't follow through with it. And Part of it, now that I look back on it, it was because 99% of my energy was taken up by my eating disorder. Mm. So I didn't have the capacity or space to really work on anything else because I was in active addiction. Yeah. And so can you talk me through a little bit, just very briefly, about your recovery from your eating disorder? And Because that happened about halfway through your marriage. And then what was the sex like after that point? And then I have a follow-up. Okay. So um, my recovery was, um, when I recovered, we separated. Not legally, but I moved out for six months. It was a very tumultuous time. My parents sort of kind of turned against me. I love my family and they're wonderful, but I felt like a lot of negative energy coming from them and me them blaming me for having him be heartbroken and all these things that he was. He was super loving, super kind. And then, of course, because he's human, he would lash out and say mean things. And then I love you and I want you back and all these things. And I never looked up divorce ever. I just did not know how I could be married because we were so different at that point. And I was also terrified that if I went back to the marriage, I would go back to my eating disorder because you know how. Sorry, is this after you got, you went to inpatient or? Uh, After. Okay, so just walk us through briefly 
because he had a conversation with you that got you in. Oh, yes, yes, And yes, then yes. just okay. walk us through what happened. So before I separated, I, I was in a treatment facility for, uh, for 30 days. Why? Why did you choose to get help? So he finally had a conversation with me, and he wrote me a letter of begging me to get help printed out a list of like 75 ways that I could die if I didn't stop doing this and cried in front of me and begged me to get help and told me he loved me and he wanted to be with me. And if I didn't stop this, he didn't think he could be with me anymore. And I knew I was making him really depressed. Um, and I thought, holy shit, like I am ruining his life. Like this is the worst thing I could ever do to a human because Mm -hmm. I didn't think that I could get better, but I was ruining his life. And this is somebody that really loved me and wanted to be with me. And I remember during that conversation, I stared completely at the wall and completely ignored him because that's what I did when I was an asshole and triggered. Um, And he walked upstairs, you know, super upset. And he did find me a therapist. And two days later, I went and she in a week or in like two sessions admitted me to the hospital because I was throwing up like eight times a day or something back then. Um, And I went there and I think it helped our relationship, but it didn't help me recover. A year later, when we moved uh, back home to Hawaii, I saw the therapist that helped me recover from my eating disorder. It never really affected the sex life, though. Okay. Because I was still, even though I recovered and stopped the behaviors of the eating disorder, it still took a number of years to rid myself of the body image stuff, Mm -hmm. which they say is the first to come and the last to go. So we were having... I don't wouldn't say we were having more sex, but it wasn't fraught with the eating disorder and that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I still didn't really like it. And I don't think it was pleasurable for me. Yeah. Although, here's the thing. As I was recovering, it started to become something I wanted a little bit more. Mm. But because we had been in this pattern of not having sex, not initiating, not doing this, I would get turned on and I would end up masturbating. And I didn't know how to connect with my husband on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't know how to do that. And like, I would be really turned on and I wouldn't know how to be like, Hey, let's have sex. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I was like, so, like vulnerability was like my death. And so I never, I was, he would probably be shocked to know that I was turned on mm. a lot and wanted to have sex with him and didn't know how to initiate it. Yeah. And towards the very end I was actually really thrilled because I felt like it was getting better. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was having less pain. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was having more pleasure. I felt really excited. And we weren't having sex a lot. Like the frequency didn't super increase. It wasn't like there was anything drastic. But internally, I could tell there was a shift. And um, then we didn't end up. He actually chose somebody else and went behind my back to do that for a while. And I finally came clean about it. And I didn't have the opportunity to reconcile that. He finally came clean about it. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Okay. So yeah, he, he dated somebody else, you know, and thought he was in love with somebody else and wanted to leave our relationship. And I fought for our marriage. Yeah. I fought for our marriage because he fought for our marriage when we were separated five years earlier or something. He fought for it. And I was like, when I came back to the marriage before, after I recovered from my eating disorder, I was like, I'm coming back committed to this marriage. And then that happened. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to fight for it. During that time also, I also realized, because he didn't tell me the full truth about what happened then, 
But um, the things that he was telling me was one of the main things was the sex life. The sex sucked. We're talking about when he's sharing why he cheated? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and wanted to completely leave our relationship for this other woman. Yeah. yeah. He, um, basically, there was a thing about me not wanting kids, which that's a whole separate issue. But the main thing we're talking about here is like our sex life sucked. Yeah. And those are the exact words he used. Our sex life sucks. And I was like, I agree. Like, I can't disagree with you there. And so I was fiery fucking angry. And I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm fixing this. I'm fucking fixing this. Yeah. Because I wanted to have more sex and I didn't know how to do it. And I remember after I recovered from my eating disorder, I told my therapist, I want to work on my sexuality now. Cause I could tell that was something I should have seen another therapist for that probably because it ended up getting turned into eating disorder stuff most likely. And I, I love that therapist. She's amazing. But I stopped working on my sexuality stuff because I had worked so long and so hard on my recovery. I was exhausted. And I just wanted a fucking break to live my life. Yeah. I should have been like, I don't give a shit. This is this important. Yeah. And I should have sought someone out, like a sex therapist. After, so, okay, so he doesn't want to be in our marriage anymore. He leaves the apartment. I am lying on the floor not knowing what the hell to do with my life. Like, yeah. just... I'm, I've never been like this in my life. Like I couldn't even, the thought of taking out a piece of toast, um, or taking out a piece of bread and putting it in the toaster was too overwhelming. Yeah. And I, I like, couldn't even think about doing that. Yeah. Um, I walked around for a zombie and I was like, that's it. And I saw two therapists. I got a therapist to talk about my eating disorder. And then I saw a sex therapist who was wonderful and I adore her. And I mostly spent 99% of the time crying on her couch, but she had had a background of somatic work and massage like I do with massage. Mm -hmm. And so the way that she related to me was very different. And Mm -hmm. she had me move my body sometimes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what came up for me was that it was really time to address this sexuality Mm -hmm. stuff. And I did take a course, um, by somebody that passed away now, which is weird. (laughs) Um, do you remember her name? Sam Isadora. Yeah. Oh my God. Sam Isadora. She was lovely. And I found her course on Mind Valley, and it was amazing. And like I told you the other day, this was Alan a tantra Carr, course, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. So it was a tantra course, and it wasn't anything to be honest that was life shattering. Like it wasn't like she asked me a question that I was like, "Oh my god, I've never had that thought of." It was just really simple things. But I liked her and felt safe to listen to her videos and to explore that. And here's the thing: I was very motivated because at that time I really was thinking that I was going to get my marriage back. And I really wanted a good sexuality. But I think that because I had lost my husband, and in my mind, that was the only thing that I could control, because, you know, I can't really control desiring kids or not, but, like, I could control my sexuality, and I knew that it was on my radar to work on for a long time and had not done that. So I was like, this is my number one priority. Yeah. So I started practicing all the exercises, going through my beliefs about sexuality, and there was just something in that space of me being completely broken. Like, I don't really like that word, but I was, I was shattered. You felt really broken. Yeah. I felt really, really broken. And I've never felt like that before. Even though I had an eating disorder for 11 and a half years, like that didn't even come close to like how broken I felt. And there was something about that creating a space for me to really hear everything she was saying and the exercises and to really be open to, working on my sexuality. Um, I've never had weirdness about, well, 
I've masturbated. I'm not weird about that. I love it. I think it's great. Um, even though I think it was probably taught to be weird when I was younger, Mm -hmm. but I'm never weird about it. Like I actually thought it was like, but I did notice, no, I did notice that after I would masturbate previously Mm -hmm. in all of my life, it was like, after it was over, it was like, okay, done. Yeah. And that's how I was always with sex too. Like Mm -hmm. I remember the second sex was over. I'd be like, okay, done. Like get out. Like no, like no post-coital snuggles for you. Okay. Nope. It was like done, done, done. And then I would go and shower. Um, and I do not have a background of sexual abuse at all. Like I do not, but it was weird. It was this strange thing. And I noticed that the more I took her course, the more I would like lavish in that afterwards. Mm. And I didn't want to disconnect as much. So there was something about me being broken that created space for me to really desire to, to work on my sexuality and be expressive in this. And it, I felt, I felt things shift. Mm. Um, it was, I waited until the week that my divorce actually went through before I, um, did have sex with another partner and it was a totally different experience Mm. and it was really happy for me because I was like, Oh my God, the work that I did, like I'm a different person. Mm. Like I desired it. I wanted it. I, um, I never used to like people going down on me. I was really uncomfortable about that. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is great. Like, I felt, I don't know, it was just, it was a great experience for me to be able to experience that because I had never really had that openness and that desire up until that point. Mm. And of course, I was doing this work, but I never, I mean, I never actually knew if it was working. Mm because I'm doing it on my own. Like I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this Tantra and find all these people to sleep with. And <laughs> I'm going to So it wasn't it like an orgy fest. No, it wasn't like an orgy fest. No. So it was, it, I didn't really know if it was actually going to work. So that partner you had after the divorce went through, that was your first kind of like test of it. Yes. And it felt good and no knives or anything. No, okay. like it was completely pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have a lot of sex with that partner, but I did have more sex with that partner. And it was like, it wasn't painful any of the times. And so I think there was something energetically about being so hating of my femininity, Mm. locked in with my eating disorder, locked in with also these little resentments that built up between my husband and I. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of little resentments, I think, that built up that were just swept under the rug. Mm -hmm. And I think that on an emotional level, like that kind of disconnected me a lot Mm -hmm. and probably him from me as well. Mm -hmm. But there is the element of me being really sad about it because I was like, oh man, like I had a husband who loved me and I loved him. Like, ugh. Yeah. And I wish that I could go back and be able to be different in my sexual experience with us because like now... Now, I'm just like, oh my God, I can't wait to have another actual partner that's committed to me and that I want to have sex every day. Yeah, several times a day. Blows my mind, friend. (laughs) Blows my mind. I've never wanted to have sex ever. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, oh my God, I can't wait to have a partner that's committed and loyal and faithful and sexy and I want to have sex with them every (laughs) single day. I can't wait. I'm so excited. (laughs) Okay, so I have a couple of burning questions. Okay. Um, One of them is... When you when you look back on that period of time, especially after you recovered from the eating disorder and before the marriage ended, this would have been about five years, um, why didn't you guys ever see a sex therapist? Why wasn't that ever on the menu? 
Because we were stupid. No, just kidding. (laughs) No. Um, So I think that he would have been open to seeing a sex therapist. For me, the only thing I'd ever heard about sex therapists were that they were really weird and creepy and I didn't know what they were going to do with you. And I mean, as we joked earlier, I thought it was like some guy with a dildo in a room. And I was like, no, that's not happening. (laughs) By the way, guys, that's not how sex therapy works, just for the record. So yeah, sex therapy is amazing, by the way. And I, I really wish that I knew. And by the way, there are people trained specifically in it and licensed because obviously there's always that fear that you're going to go to somebody that's going to make you do weird stuff. Um, There's people that specialize in it and that are amazing and that is their specialty. And a lot of it really is what I have found for me in sex therapy. It was just connecting to my vulnerability. Mm. And because I mean, and just to clarify, you never went with your husband. No. So, okay. So sorry. Back to the question. We never went together because it wasn't on our radar. We didn't have a community of people around us supporting our marriage that was like, hey, we went to sex therapy and it was really great. Let me recommend my person. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would have been open to going to it, to be honest, because my fear, my fear would have been like, I would go and they would have said the exact same thing. You're broken. broken. There's something wrong with you. In terms of a way that your husband could have approached you about this, because essentially what happened at the end of your marriage was he cheated on you and that predicated the end of your marriage. It was the cheating and then he left and then the marriage ended. There was no back and forth. It was very uh, fi- definite. Correct. It was a definite period of time. Is there anything he could have said to you to sort of say, this is so important to me that I'm considering leaving? Like, did he ever say that or something like that? Or was it on your radar before? How, how was that for you? To be honest, I kind of feel like a jerk when I say this, but I don't think I ever thought he was going to leave me. And I think that's why I didn't really take it seriously. Yeah. And also I was terrified to address it. Like, I mean, I was terrified to address it, but I don't think I ever thought that he would leave me because I didn't have enough sex with him. I mean, obviously it's, it's more multifaceted than that, but yeah, I didn't think he would ever leave me for that specific reason. And like he did with my eating disorder, like I definitely felt that he would leave me if I didn't get help Mm. and not because he didn't love me, but because he was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I cannot do this. And I think that if he might've approached me and I don't know because Like I said, I do have this asshole part of me, but if he might have approached me like, I love you and I want to be with you forever and I want us to have a good sexual relationship. There are other women that experience this, you know, like you're not broken. There's not anything wrong with you, but like, I want us to connect and it's, it's important enough to me that I'm noticing women at work. I'm wanting to have sex with other people. I'm wanting to disconnect from our marriage and like, it doesn't have to be solved right now, but like, if I find a sex therapist, will you agree to go with me? Mm. Um, yeah, just something, something I think that I'm sure he said, I'm sure he said things in those vein, but I think it was that actual like, this is serious enough that 
I I'm starting to have fantasies about other women and leaving you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like I'm noticing somebody yeah. that I will leave this relationship for. Yeah. If this doesn't get fixed, like this is so critical that this has to change. Yeah. This isn't just something I would like. This is something I need. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like this is something that I need, and I don't know how I would have responded back then. To be honest. Maybe yeah. shut down, maybe collapse, maybe ignore him. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the fact is that you were approached about something else and you did go to treatment. I did. So I did. it's possible. It's possible. I think the important thing to note here is just, I think what happens a lot of times, and it sounds like it kind of happened in your relationship, is little comments are made or little conversations are had. Like, I remember you told me once he was like, ugh, we're just roommates Yes. Like, we're just roommates. Like, we're not anything more than roommates, which is completely his experience, and there's nothing wrong with that per se, but that's a very different sort of tossed-aside remark than sitting someone down and saying, I'm really worried about our marriage. Yeah. I'm scared. I really want this to work, and this is critically important to me. Yeah. Um, If you did have, if you were to give other women that were in your position any advice, what would you say to them? If you're a woman, I have talked to a lot of men since then and actually been approached by men that want to date me that have their experience that I feel like I am their wife or their partner at this time. They talk to me about the not feeling connected to their woman. They talk to me about their woman not wanting sex. They talk to me about all of these things. And I'm just like, holy shit, are all women having this experience? And part of me wants to tell these women, like go to sex therapy, get help, address this. Like your men love you and they really want to be with you and they really want to have a sexual connected relationship with you. And I used to think it wasn't important. Mm. I used to think sex is not important, whatever, whatever. Like we connect on so many other things. Mm. We laugh so much. Like we share a life together. But now that I'm a little bit more healed in my sexuality, of course I want to have sex with my partner a lot. I want to feel connected to my partner in all of those ways. Yeah. And I mean, I know that women have high sex drive too, but, but men have more sex drive. We hear that. And I've heard from so many men's experience too. Like I know they love their partner. Hmm. And I asked somebody that I talked to about this and I was like, have you had these conversations with your woman? Have you told her I love and care about you? I want us to get help. I want us to have a good sex life. Like, And he was like, yeah, you know, I have blah, blah, blah. And I don't know how he had those conversations, but it made me sad because he desperately wanted connection and he didn't want it necessarily with me or another woman. He wanted it with his partner, Hmm. but it always scares me when I talk to these men because you will eventually find a woman, not like me, that if I know you're married, like, hell no, that's off limits. It's not happening. But you will find a woman that will totally engage in having an affair with you. Because you're probably a wonderful man as well. But at the end of the day, like, they do want their woman. They want their wife. They want their partner to be the person that wants to have sex with them and connect with them. Yeah. So a lot, I would say, so for the women, get help. Go to a sex therapist. They are trustworthy. They are amazing. They are safe. Get a recommendation. Go online. Google it. Um, There's people that are licensed and that will change your life. And there's also a lot of things that underlie the sex. It's not just the, yeah. we don't have sex. We're having too much. Like, it's not 
about the sex. It's actually about the connection and the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. When I think about my husband and I, it was all of these little Barbie resentments that were built up over time Mm -hmm. that made me not want to try to connect with him sexually because there was sort of like the fuck you just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that he had that towards me in many ways too. So it might not just be about the woman going to sex therapy then. It might be a a couple's situation. I would agree because anything in a relationship has two dynamics. And, you know, having distance and having time to process with my marriage, like I was an asshole too in many ways. I was not responsible for the ending of it and I did my best to sustain it. But I also... I, I only have love for him mm-hmm. for like the amazing amount of things he did for me and showed me and was for me during the time we were together. Mm-hmm. And it sucks what happened. It really does. And I don't like the way that it happened, but I can't control that. Yeah. And I, every, I mean, if you tell somebody that when they're fresh out of it, they're like, fuck you. It wasn't my fault. And Wait, who? Sorry. Like just anyone who's been in a relationship that's been cheated that's on been cheated or it's been on. ended. Yeah. yeah. But everything has a dual dynamic. And even if it wasn't your fault, quote unquote, that it ended, you you have a part in the relationship. And so everyone has their thing. And so if you're having sex problems in your relationship, it's not just your problem if you don't like sex. And it's not your husband's problem. It's There's a dynamic that exists between the two of you that needs to be talked about and solved. And mm. vulnerability and intimacy developed between the two of you. Because even if you guys leave and end up having an affairs or divorcing or leaving for different partners, you're still gonna you're still gonna have whatever that is. Like yeah, it's, you mean you're gonna bring that yeah. whatever that was into the next. You're gonna bring right, whatever right, 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 stuff right. is into the next relationship. Yeah, and so um, tell me a little bit about your sex life now. Like what what are you? I have no sex life now. No, <laughs> no. Go ahead. Uh, what are you? Um, I don't know. What are you up to in your sex life? What are you wanting? Like now mm. that sex, cause it's a huge transition to go from yes. sex being painful to sex being pleasurable. Yes. What, what, where are you with that now? So for a while I was doing a lot of sex life with myself, uh-huh. which I love and masturbating and like really focusing on that. Um, and I really enjoy that and that's wonderful. And I think that that's great and healthy for everybody to do. Um, now currently I am sort of busy in my life. So I notice it's not as much of, I haven't been thinking about it as much. Um, part of it is due to somebody that I was dating, the relationship ended and that's totally fine. But I noticed that I started taking a break from it to pull back to just how can I love myself Mm -hmm. instead of how can I desire a relationship with someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've been doing a lot of self love work, but what I desire, Oh my God. (laughs) So um, I, I'm going to tell you my last thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to tell you. Um, I was driving home the other night from my internship that I have and I just, um, started being like, I'm going to fantasize about the future and just fun things that I want. Cause haven't done that a lot for future work. And so, um, I started picturing my man, whoever my awesome man is calling me in my car and me being like, Hey, what's up? I'm headed home from my internship. And him being like, I got us reservations at eight. I'm going to come over at six because we're going to have sex. I'm like, that's fantastic. <laughs> And I think I told you this in the kitchen the other night. Um, I pictured him being like, I want to fuck you so much with love. (laughs) And the thing is, is as like, if I know that you love me and if we're connected and I trust you, I, I mean, I think all women are willing to do many different things and like many different things. If you're with a loyal partner that you love and that, you know, loves you. 
And I like to joke and be silly. So I could totally see my future man and I being like, I want to fuck you so hard with love. (laughs) I think that's a good note to end on. Um, uh, So this is, as I said at the beginning, a pretty big issue for a lot of people. And I'm really curious to hear from the people that listen to this. Have you ever had a partner who has had pain during sex or have you had pain during sex? So um, I'm going to push a survey about this topic. And I'm really interested in hearing from everyone, meaning even if you haven't had pain during sex, please respond because I'd like honest numbers. Because if I pull 50 people and I only have 50 people who've had pain, it's going to look like everyone has pain during sex. And I know that that's not true. Um, I personally don't have pain during sex. so But I think this is a really big deal, especially because it does affect both people. It really impacts the person who has pain during sex, but it also really impacts the person having sex with someone who has pain during sex. That's a really big deal. So uh, be sure to look out for the survey and we will um, leave a couple of things in the show notes, including the course that Z mentioned for women by Sam Isadora, if it's still available. Um, And uh, we'll also leave information about Z. So Z, why don't you just tell them a little tiny bit about what you do now. So currently what I'm doing now um, is I have launched a podcast called Throwing Up Rainbows with my teammate Carlos. Um, He's a fantastic musician and I do the writing for it. So we're a collective team. The first season is about eating disorders, but our podcast is about eating disorders and addiction. And it's a compilation of an artistic view on it. And the focus is eating disorders for the first season. So you can check it out at throwinguprainbows.com. You can also find it on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, and I've listened to it, guys, and it's really fucking cool. It's also a lot shorter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 10 or 12 or 15 to 20-minute episodes, so yeah. it's 20 minutes quick. or less. The first two yeah. are 10 minutes and 9 minutes. Excellent. Any last thing that you want to add? Love, love your bodies and love your partners by working on your own personal sexuality. Mm. I think that's one of the most important things that I've learned is loving yourself. And the best way that you can give to your partner as well is really loving yourself and being full. So do whatever work you need to do in whatever space you need to do it so that you can show up and be available to love your partner and to love yourself in that way. Because sex is really important and it's really great when it can be connected. And I can't wait for that for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.